0: Scent World is an original series presented by Scentbird, a fragrance subscription service that brings you luxury designer scents every month for $16.95. Unlock 50% off your first month at Scentbird.com. Welcome back to Scent World, a show that explores the power of expressing yourself through scent. Today, we're featuring Jo Malone CBE, the perfumer, beauty entrepreneur, and founder of Jo Loves, based in London, England. Jo has one of the most recognizable names in the perfume industry. Starting out with handmade scents from her kitchen, she grew Jo Malone London into a cult classic brand worn by Royals. She sold the company to Estee Lauder in 1999, and after stepping away, found the inspiration to start a new venture, Joe Loves. It's a rekindling of her deeply personal relationship with fragrance. In this episode, Joe sits down with Maria Nurislamova, Scentbird's co-founder and CEO. She reflects on what makes her a successful entrepreneur, tells the story of the scent that changed her forever, and reveals a new creation that is revolutionizing how people apply fragrance. Embrace new beginnings with Joe Malone CBE on Scent World.
1: You have been described as an English scent maverick and are responsible for creating some of the world's most beloved fragrances. To me, your story is beyond inspirational. It is a story of true grit, passion, creativity, but also you lead with your heart, and that Mm. really shows. Now, I do want to go back to the very beginning. I want to go back to your childhood. Um, Could you please take us back to a moment in time when you knew or you discovered that your sense of smell was something special, something extraordinary?
2: One of the great joys in my life is sharing a story of life and adventure and inspiration. So thank you. Uh, And I believe that nothing is ever wasted in life. Whoever we are, wherever we come from, everything can eventually come back together and and it's the ingredients of who makes us who we are today. So my childhood was really, um, I came, I grew up in a very poor background. So there wasn't a lot of money in our house, but a whole heap of inspiration from two parents. And um, my jobs from the age of 11 years old were to help my father sell his paintings in the markets on a Saturday to, uh, he was also part of the magic circle. He was a magician, so I would help him make magic tricks. And I was also the magician's assistant, so I knew how white rabbits came out of hats and um, all of those things. And I also helped my mum make face creams. So you can see between those three things, there was the upbringing of an entrepreneur from the age of 10, 11 years old. But I think I thought everyone could smell like I could. So I could smell when my dad was in the back back of the the garden making his magic trick, you know, of of making. I could smell sulphur burning. Um, I could smell if the dog was sick. I could smell when my mum was making face creams. If the almond oil had overheated, I could smell that it had, you know, it had turned and gone. And of course, the cosmetic then wouldn't bind with the waxes. So my sense of smell was. Almost I you know, I often think in another life, I was probably a bloodhound or a dog or something. I love the idea of that. my my sense of smell has genetically followed me. Um but I think from a young age, I knew my sense of smell. i loved I loved strange smells. I loved the smell of the oils on the canvas when my dad was painting. And I could tell his temperament if he wore, if he was wearing Eau Sauvage by Christian Dior, or he was wearing Guerlain by Vetiver. So I associated all of these smells with my mother and father. My mum was Margriffe by Carven, and she loved Joy by Joie Patou and Jurevian by Worth. So I can remember all of those moments as a child through the compass of the power of smell. So um, I can't ever remember a point of which I haven't been able to smell and I don't Um, I see life through the power of smell.
1: Wonderful. Um, do you remember that first moment though, when you realize that people don't smell like you, that you're quite unique? Did somebody maybe tell you something or like made an observation where you're like, wow, okay, I am not like everybody else.
2: I think it was just, it was part of me. It's like if your child can suddenly sit down at a piano and play, but I had this incredible ability because I, I now know you know, I have dyslexia and I also have something called synesthesia. So I would see color and be able to smell. And I had no idea that other people couldn't. And I remember one day, I was 16 years old in my first job and a woman walked into the flower shop wearing this beautiful green um, shirt. And I said to her, what fragrance are you wearing? And she said, I'm I'm not wearing fragrance. I can't wear fragrance. And I said, but your shirt smells of crushed green leaves. And I realised, and she said, does it? I can't smell it. And I think it was lots of those little moments that made me think, what life takes away with one hand, it'll give you back with another. And yet I struggled telling the time. I struggled telling my left and my right. But I had this incredible ability to use fragrance like this... Um, yeah, like a superpower. That's all I can, you know. You know, explain it. And I could smell. It wasn't just about fragrance and cologne and flowers. Although I my first job was in a flower shop. That's where I immersed myself. And I would pick up uh, when I would go to the markets very early in the morning as a young kid. I would ask for you know three bo- three uh, boxes of tulips, and they would give me the ones that had been in the fridge. So I would pick up the bunch of tulips, smell the stem, and say. They're not fresh. And they say, yeah, yeah, they are, Joe. And I say, no, they're not. They're not fresh. I can smell it. Where's the fresh ones? And then they were so terrified about ever giving me flowers that had been in the fridge for two days that so I always got the best flowers and because uh, I just kind of smell the stem. So it became part of my character, part of my personality, along with taste. So taste and smell, they were the, my two senses that were really um, dominant.
1: This is so fascinating. Um, Going back to scent as a superpower, it's almost like the world was veering you in a certain direction, like telling you, Joe, this, pay attention. Like, you're meant to do this because millions of people are going to be happy if you do. (laughs) Um, But I'm super curious, like, when you see, um, you know, um, like colors when you smell things, is Mm. it always the same color for a similar smell or are they different every time?
2: No, it's different every time. I mean, I think that is the magic. I think. In the very beginning, Maria, I think when I saw, um, it feels the most natural thing in the world for me. So here you can see a Barbie pink cushion. I can smell um, a rose de mai. I can smell a chili. I can smell a raspberry sorbet. And for some reason I can, so I'm smelling it as I'm speaking, I can smell a blue patchouli as well. So it doesn't, it's not to do with the color. I'm not associating the color with what we smell. It's just my brain is wired in a different way, um, but it almost allows me to compose music for my nose. So you know that's that's how I look at it, and I'm able to create a moment with a pink cushion and create the most amazing fragrance from it, along with a a story that has integrity and is full of truth. And I think all of those things together make for something magical. But when I look back to the young child who left school at 15 i've got no qualifications i never went to university i didn't even go to um i had my first job at 14 15 years old um i look back and i think i was told i was lazy i was stupid i would never make anything of my life and you know i look back on that now and i think why did why would someone say that to a child you know a child who was clearly struggling with lots of other things. And it makes us, it shows us in life that the things that we think are disabilities. So I don't believe dyslexia, dyspraxia, any of those spectrum kind of uh, personality traits are a disability. I believe they're the most amazing ability to think differently. Thank you so much for sharing that.
1: Um, I also want to go back to like the early roots of your entrepreneurial spirit because So much in what we do in life gets really formed in the very, very early years of our upbringing. Mm. So what do you think was it about your childhood that made you an entrepreneur?
2: And often entrepreneurs are formed through tough circumstances. I had two very creative parents, so I had an appreciation of creativity, but also living with a creative spirit, which is not always as easy um, as building a business. But from my dad... I would be the one that would go to the markets with him on a Saturday morning Um, because there was no money in our house. My mum would say as I walked out the door, if you don't sell a painting today, there is nothing in the fridge. So I was seven, eight years old when I sold my first painting. And when I think back on that time, and I can remember it as though it were yesterday, I can still remember what I was wearing. I can remember the smell of the, it was a greyhound track. In Crayford, and I can remember the black soot smell of early morning winter. Morning setting up the um, setting up the stall and smelling the oil paint on the canvas. I could I could smell it, and I knew I had one hour uh, in order to sell that first painting. Otherwise, the day would be really tedious. And I always did, and the way I did it is I would see someone come towards the stall and start to look at the paintings and i would start to tell the story of my father painting the painting and people were so transfixed so all those years ago where did i learn the art of selling and telling a story when i was 7 years old standing on a greyhound track in the middle of nowhere um Then making face creams with my mom, I learned, I couldn't read a formulation because of my dyslexia, but I memorized absolutely everything she did from the spoon that she used to the touch of her finger as something was gelling. I mean, every single thing. And then I was able within a year to be the one that was making the face creams. Um, And then of course, you know, the magic tricks. I learned the art of circus and entertainment and all of those things that I learned are still with me today. You know, the the, the feeling of when you walk into 42 Elizabeth Street, the feeling of circus being painted with fragrance or exciting you, entertaining you. It's, it's the magician's assistant all over again. You know, if I could chop somebody in half and make the whole experience scented, I, of course I would as well. It's, it's kind of ingrained within me. So that entrepreneur, and, but that survival instinct. Um, I remember as a, as a young woman once, I must have been 11, 12, and we had no central heating in our house, and we would have a meter that you would put a shilling or two shillings in in order to get gas and electric, and there was no shillings left. There was absolutely nothing. And I remember standing in my bedroom window, and I was scraping the ice from the window. And I looked out and I remember thinking, I will not live my adult life like this. I will change something. That determination and that strength and that energy in a young person. And and it's funny, Maria, I see it in this generation. I I can see that young Joe in this generation right now, that determination, that sense of entrepreneurialism, survival, all of those things. And I think the next 10 to 20 years are going to be a very exciting time for entrepreneurs.
1: And its I feel like sometimes life is about the promises that we give ourselves you gave yourself a promise and you made it really, really happen. Wow. In such a beautiful, fantastic way. Um, I would love to go back to the flower shop, your first job, because what you just mentioned about being able to smell the stems of tulips and know <laughs> that they're two days old is exceptional and extraordinary. Um, can you just walk us through what that world felt like to you at the time as a little girl? Um, like, not a little girl, but a girl, I guess, <laughs> at that point working already.
0: Oh, well, I, f-
2: I found the place I belonged because it was full of the sense of smell. And um, life was to bring me full circle, by the way, back to that it was more special than I realized at the time. But I was 16, and it was a long, hard day, and it was sort of like eight in the morning. If you were going to the market, you'd have to be up at 5.30 in the market by six, all the best flowers in uh, Covent- in nine elms have sold them. And but Christmas time was amazing, you know, getting the Christmas trees, uh, everything about it was so exciting for me. I loved the smell of the uh, eucalyptus and eucalyptus needs to drink the minute you get it back to the flower shop. So you have to bang all the stems so it can drink and then you plunge it into warm water. And it's almost as though eucalyptus goes, thanks. Thanks. Thanks, that was so good, and the smell that it exudes. So, what I started to discover is that these scents had voices. They had not in a crazy way, but you know, the the daisies were were kind of pretty and they danced a bit. Um, the roses were kind of matriarchal, and you know, white Norma Jean Rose when she opens up and she gives you, so it's very very sweet. And then you can see when she's ready to just say goodnight; it's over. So. All of being around the flowers, I created my own music, I created my own poetry, and the flowers became my very much, and the shrubs, they became my my family. And I loved the mm. smell of everything. Uh, but I was young, and I remember this one particular day where uh, it was a hot summer really hot summer and I had probably had not as much sleep as I should have done and was told that I had to empty the van and put all the flowers out. And I was there, I was um, watering all the geraniums and geraniums. Have you ever smelt a geranium leaf? It's, yes. it's got a really particular smell and it can be quite nauseating actually after a bit if you're continually smelling them. So I was dipping all these red and white geraniums in a bucket of water and my manageress came out, and she said, "It's messy everywhere, Joe. You haven't swept up, you haven't and just I was so placid, and at that moment something snapped in me, and I picked up the bucket of water that I had been um watering the plants, and I tipped it over her, and I just I couldn't believe what I'd done. there were leaves in her hair, she was so furious, obviously, and she went you're fired. And I went, I quit. I quit. I mean, 16 years old. Can you imagine the precociousness of the whole moment? And that's when I walked up the road to Elizabeth to number 42. And I was put to work at number 42 Elizabeth Street. And at that time it was a uh, delicatessen.
1: Yeah. Wow. I love that story. I mean, I don't know. I definitely feel the fiery spirit coming up that then made you later in life a successful entrepreneur in that story of like pouring the bucket of water over someone. Yeah. Not Um, smart. I love that. Not (laughs) smart.
2: Well, you know, you have to grow up somehow, right? (laughs) Well, I think that fiery spirit, I think something really did. uh, For so long, I had been the one who had carried the heavy burdens of our family and I just think something snapped to me. And from that minute, I wanted, I felt the taste of freedom and my own voice. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. it took a few years for me to really find who I was. And it, you know, it followed. But that was a really life-changing moment. And the man who gave me my, my job in Elizabeth Street owned both a flower shop and the delicatessen. And I think he saw me and he saw himself in me. And he gave mm-hmm. me a chance. I think if I had walked away that day, who knows where I'd be now.
1: And um, 42 Elizabeth Street, since we're talking about it, this is the new home for Joe Loves, isn't it?
2: Yeah, she. I returned back. I think life has done that to me many times where I've come full circle and I've returned back to the place in which I've started. And it's almost as though life goes, right now the adventure really begins. You know, I kind of, I have this constant narrative with life and um, pushing for the next dream and wanting, I want my life to be full every day, not once a year or once a month, every day. And this particular day was pretty special. So we had we had recreated Joe Loves, but we were struggling as a business and it was my birthday. Uh, my husband uh, presented me with this small little box and it wasn't a turquoise box, so I knew it wasn't Tiffany and Diamonds. But I did think it was going to be jewellery and I opened it up and it was a key and I can't drive because of my dyslexia. I can't to my left, to my right and everything. So I knew it wasn't that. I loved my house and I realised that it had to be a shop, for our first home for Joe Loves. And so I was born on the 5th of November, which is Guy Fawkes night here, which is actually quite apt for me because I'm a bit like a fiery rocket. I'm always you know, ready to fly in lots of directions. And he said, we're going to go down, grab some bacon sandwiches, a cup of coffee, and I'm going to take you to your birthday present. And as I put the key in the door, I knew I'd been there before. And it took me all the way back to that, that moment with Justin. And I said, I've worked here before. And he said, yes, I know. And we walked in and the, all of the walls were clad in like this awful kind of dark brown paisley. And it was dark and dingy. But of course, I remembered this bright, amazing studio where creativity lived. And I stood there and I saw the dream in less than a minute. And I've heard life, whereas I walked back into the back studio, which of course, where it was the kitchens, where the food would come down. I heard life go, you will change the world again in this place. And it will start right here. And I felt it. I heard it in my in my, in my soul. And then I looked at him and I said, we're going to build the world's first fragrance tapas bar. And at that moment, he looked like he was about to (laughs) divorce me. Uh, And he said, you've got to be joking. We're not making a tapas bar. And I went, no, listen, we're going to create the world's first tapas bar for your nose. And I said, that wall there goes back two foot. And he said, no, it doesn't. I've got the plans. I went, Give me the screwdriver. Drilled a hole in the wall, stuck my finger through. And I went that is where we build the tapas bar. And that is exactly what we did. We built the tapas bar. It was the world's first fragrance tapas bar, but it, it. whenever I walk in that shop, I, ha- I feel the young girl again. I feel something about the creativity that was left behind and uh, the obligation I have to continue to tell that story. There's a picture in the book of yeah. my first boss and me standing in exactly the same position 35 years later
1: the concept of a tapas bar as it relates to send is fascinating
2: it's all about the magician it's all about circus it's all about all the things that we love and entertainment so everybody in life remembers their first kiss I'm sure you do I do um yeah and my, mine wasn't too good I have to <laughs> say but so later on in life I have much better kisses but my first one wasn't that great. But everyone remembers their first kiss. And in businesses, when you create something, you need to create that first kiss moment. You need to create that moment that you will never forget the time that you walked through our doorway at Joe Loves in London and we kissed you for the first time with our brand. It's a very engaging intimate moment it's free of charge we don't charge for it it's as though you've walked into my home and i've said maria come and sit down can i get you a glass of wine would you what, what, are you hungry what would you like to eat but i'm feeding you with creativity rather than food nothing to eat only to smell so that first kiss moment um, when you come in and you engage with tapas and it, we, we serve three to four courses of tapas, uh, your bath cologne comes from a steaming tagine and we lift the lid and these wonderful kind of notes of pomelo and grapefruit and uh, orange blossom, nearly all of these. And there's little balls of cotton wool and we pick them up with chopsticks and smell It it kind of starts to create this narrative and this story around each product. And then your shower gels, we get um, cocktail shakers. Uh, So one of my favorite titles is The Scent Maverick, because I do feel like Tom Cruise. And um, (laughs) shaking, shaking the cocktail shaker. Pouring it into martini glasses and then letting people smell them. And then the best one is the body lotions coming from velouté guns. And we get huge paintbrushes. We swipe them into warm water and then we start to paint your body with fragrance. And that 99.99% of the time translates into a sale. So it is our first kiss. It's the moment at which it's almost, you know, it's the podcast, it's the TV show, it's everything. And then we close the deal. And sometimes what I love most more than anything, cause we don't charge for it. Grandchildren will bring their grandparents in and they'll sit on a Saturday morning and they sit there and there's often three generations of a family sitting there enjoying tapas together. And, you know, the grandmother saying, oh my goodness, this is so, this is so wonderful. It's so beautiful. It's reminded me of the stories as a child and the smells that I enjoyed. So the tapas experience is very human. It's very human. It's very real. It's great business. But pushing that aside, you know something we have planted a moment in someone's memory. I
1: love that. Do you have any tips or tricks for our listeners around scenting their home? Like if they're starting from scratch, um, where, where would they? Where sh- should they begin?
2: So. Candles are what I love candles. And um, yesterday I went to the shop and got a pomelo. I've got a two wick candle and you don't even have to light it. Just lift the lid off the top of the candle and it starts to throw her her scent. Um, If you've had a bath and you've put bath cologne in, let the water just stay. Don't just drain it straight away because that smell will actually fill a space. So you can just leave mm-hmm. the bath water in and just let it um, kind of move around. Uh, I love just bottles of fragrance and spraying sofas and you know cushions and the dining table. I don't like too much um, fragrance if you're eating because it can play with your your taste. But just scent the runner or just scent the napkins with a beautiful, like, cornflower lavender cologne, something light, fresh, clean. Masculine colognes are better, and citrus colognes around food as well. So, mm. you know, if you're, um, your wardrobe, you can take a hanger and just put, um, like, kitchen towel something, spray the kitchen towel pin it on to the hanger and hang it in your wardrobe and it will scent your wardrobe. I scent towels with things like lemongrass and eucalyptus. We have a eucalyptus and cedar fragrance. Oh, it smells like everything has been packed in a beautiful French um, armoire or trunk and you open it and there's this smell of cedar wood and eucalyptus and clean mm. and fresh. So I love those and I love mimicking. Oh, another thing. Sorry, I'm just thinking as I'm talking, if you have flowers that are not real, scent them. So I have two beautiful white rose trees and in the winter they bloom all the way through the year, but I sent them. So I sent all the green leaves and twigs with fresh crust leaves. And then the big white uh rose i sent with white rose and lemon leaves and nobody knows they're not real
1: oh wow i'm wearing white rose and lemon leaves today in my paintbrush format i am loving it i'm obsessed so yes a lot you know if that could go in my house um and i do have a candle as well so thank you for making that Mm. um here you go can you smell yeah (laughs) <laughs> oh, I, yes. I can actually spritz it right now. <laughs> Why not? Isn't that amazing?
2: Don't, don't you love that? That the fact that we are in different parts of the world and yet we can experience and smell scent at the same moment and you will smell it differently to me. So it, it staggers yeah. me.
1: It's also such a, like an elegant scent. And when I smelled it, it's just so you, it's so Joe. Um, which almost brings me to my next question. You have such a distinct fragrance philosophy that really like without even knowing that something is your creation, with like Pomelo, when I smell it, I'm like, oh, this is Joe. Yeah. Uh, or Joe uh, by Joe Thank Love's like, you. oh, this is Joe. Like, you just recognize it. Um, how would you say that scent philosophy was formed, especially given that when you got started in the business, it was a world of like big bold fragrances that made a statement <laughs> with a huge trail. And you were such an innovator mm. in that space. You really broke that paradigm when you when you came into the maps.
2: What a what a wonderful thing to say. Thank you so much. When you smelt Pomelo, you think. That you know that it's joy that that is such a wonderful comment. and thank you, thank you. I well, she'll um treasure that. And Pomelo really is. She is the matriarch of everything. she was she is the beginning of a new chapter of my life, and I think I definitely created differently from that moment. Something in me had changed. I was braver, stronger. But Pomelo is so fragile, isn't it? You think the smell is going to disappear any minute. And then suddenly this wonderful big wood comes alive and holds the citrus notes in her arms and carries it and it lingers and lingers. And the stories I could tell you about pomelo um, and just briefly, I'm just going to tell you the, the first beginning one because it is, I think your yes, listeners please. will really, really love this. So we were starting Joe Love as we were really struggling to, because no one knew I'd left Joe Malone London. And there I was five years mm-hmm. on trying desperately to, it felt like I was wading through hot treacle, trying to get my name. And all I wanted to do it, it was, I wanted to create fragrance and build another global brand. That was always in my mind. And I'd created these fragrances, but nothing really resonated. So I went to Parrot Key, and um, through a lot of anxiety, a lot of soul searching, I first created Pomelo. And the perfumer that worked on it with me—it was just a single note at the time. Very, very brilliant man. And they—it it was an accord, so it was one note. And I went, no, that's it, that's it. I, I just, I just want more strong, deep notes in the base of it. And so I remember bringing the first bottle of pomelo back. It was October time. It was really wet and horrible in London. And there was a friend of mine called Jane DeMuro. And at the time she was the beauty buyer for Selfridges. So a big deal. And Mm -hmm. she said, word is you've started again. Can I come and see you? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she comes to my studio, which was in Sloane Street, just off Sloane Square, pouring with rain. She had a Burberry rain mac on and she sits down and says, tell me about your story. da da And she said, Selfridges would love to have you back because the world misses Jo and her fragrances. And I said, well, I tell you what, let's think about it and I'll come back to you tomorrow. I said, but in the meantime, stand up and put your raincoat on. She did. And I covered that raincoat in pomelo every inch, the collar, the sleeves, everything. And I said, if more than four people don't stop you in the next 24 hours, there's no point me coming back. She called me nine o'clock the next morning. She said, it's a done deal. Everybody, (laughs) she said, my raincoat just smells of pomelo. And to this day, it's still her fragrance. And sometimes things we create... You have to really believe and you have to really allow the anxiety, the creativity, the love, the tears to pour into what we create. And when you do that, it creates integrity. And when we talk about classic fragrances, that's what being classic is all about. And Pomelo, her her voice has been heard time and time and time and time and time again in so many different forms. Um, But it's always full of truth integrity and a second chance for me. Mm.
1: I know in asking the next question, I'm asking you to pick a favorite child. Um, uh-huh. but do you have fragrance notes that you just reach back out for all the time that are your go-tos? Like you really, really love working? Or is it more so for you, well, I want to try something else and in you indifferent this time mm. around?
2: Well, I wear I wear four or five notes every day, all day. I'm always playing with fragrance and it's probably always the one I'm working on that has my attention because I'm trying to find the, the holes and the the bits in it. But I think this one, so this is Joe by Joe Loves is the fragrance, is my fragrance I created for me and it is a mezze of grapefruits. So I love grapefruit. I love citrus clean, but this has got peppery wood. It's so powerful and it's, it was a fragrance I created just for myself, just even spraying it. Now I'm thinking of all the wonderful moments. So I'm telling you my life story through the power of grapefruit. And I never intended on selling it. I actually, I was just going to keep it as mine and I would make 10, 20 bottles, give them to, to people I really loved. And the more people used it, the more people wanted to buy it. And I just thought, you know what, What it's quite spoiled me just holding on to something for me i can i can do that with thousands of other notes and so we released it and um i wanted it to go into a red bottle to just signify something a passion and love and energy and active you know red for me means get up and go and um mm-hmm. that num- that's number 1 in the far east for us now so all the way through the far east through china korea Joe by Joe Loves is the one that they love more than anything. Pomelo and Joe by Joe Loves are like best friends. They're happy, very happy living together.
1: Um, I have a little quote here from the book. If you don't mind, I will read it. Um, there is something magical about beginnings, about the challenges that come with the territory not yet conquered, mm-hmm. about being the underdog. I'd rather stand at the beginning of something looking up rather than a summit looking down. Um, I love this quote from the mm-hmm. book. Um, I think it's a really beautiful segue into, you know, um, Joe loves as a brand, right? Because you have certainly had incredible success in the fragrance world and you had the, um, Oh, gosh, the spirit, the strength to say, I want to do it all over again. Mm. I'm ready. Mm. And also, you were also coming out of a very difficult period of your life. You battled cancer. You won. And, and you know, to come back and say, I'm ready. I think I'm, I'm sure that took a lot from you. So mm. can you take us back to that moment in time when um, when you felt like you were ready to come back in a in a big, meaningful way and tell us the story of how Joe Loves came to to be?
2: I think. um I think the reason I called it Joe Loves uh, is I love fragrance and fragrance loves me. It's a love affair that will last all my life. And it has given me direction. It's given me the most amazing adventures creating. But after going through chemo, I was one of the first women to take it in a very different way. So I had chemotherapy every five days. And during that year, I lost, I didn't tell anyone this, but I'd lost my sense of smell. And I thought, what have you done? And the mm-hmm. saddest part of the whole thing, a month into what well, I had a five-year lockout, my sense of smell came back one morning and I woke up and I could smell oh, wow. everything. And I take myself oh, wow. out of a position. And in those five years, Maria, I really, I felt so sad. And so um, I just felt I'd there's only one thing I can do brilliantly in the world. And I'd stopped myself from doing it. It was crazy. So five years was long and hard. And the minute it was up, I knew that if I didn't try, I would regret it for the rest of my life. And I'd fought, I'd fought so hard for my life to live it. Mm -hmm. And now when I look (laughs) back, I'm just about to be 60 this year. I am the happiest I have ever been in my life. I'm living adventures that I never could have dreamed of. And if I hadn't started again, I would have I don't know where I'd be. I really don't. And maybe I'd be standing behind a counter in Selfridges and Harrods and selling someone else's fragrance. I I know that whatever I did, I would have had to have been close to fragrance because it makes me a whole person. Um, but I'm so glad I started again and I'm so glad it was tough. Because if I had just stepped right back into the shoes that I'd stepped out of, it wouldn't prove who I really was. I I really know in my heart now that I am a serial entrepreneur. I'm not just a one hit Mm -hmm. wonder. I can do it again. And not that I want to, I could do it a third time. I know that 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 capacity within me to recreate and reinvent and tell stories of my life through the power of fragrance. And um, that Joe Loves has taught me so much about that. And Joe Loves has really taught me who Joe really is. And mm, Wow. Um, Joe, you've always had such a high bar for yourself.
1: Um and I know we've already touched on the story of Pomelo, um, and I know that through reading your book, uh, there was a little bit of that fear of, can I do it again? And, mm-hmm. you know, can I reach my own high bar? Um, mm. So w- when you started creating Pomelo, how did you know it it was the one? Now, obviously, as a consumer smelling it, right, I'm like, I know this is the one, this is such an amazing mm-hmm. scent, but like, how did you know and what was that process um, for you?
2: I do set myself a high bar but I think I think that's a good thing. You know what if we if we attain everything in life that's within easy reach you'll you'll never discover that part the jewel in yourself. You'll never find that part and it's not about succeeding and it's not about failing. It's about getting up and trying. Cuz you're going to fail. Mm. I'm afraid, you know, you want to hit that bar you're going to fail from time to time dust yourself off pick yourself up off you go again and people learn to respect that and success won't be far down the road it'll be somewhere but it, you can't demand it and you can't just snap your fingers and think because you've been successful before that you have the right for it again um mm-hmm. how did i know pomelo i think that's just something in my gut it's i love that gut instinct you know the i have a compass in life that is inspiration, innovation, integrity, instinct, and ignition. Mm. Those are five eyes. And that's I create fragrances with that compass. I employ CEOs with that compass. I open stores with that compass. And it mm. has served me really well. And the, the gut instinct is sometimes in life we have forgotten how important gut, you know, when something doesn't feel quite right, it normally isn't. Yeah. And when something really feels spot on, um, and it's a bit like this, this little paintbrush here, this kind of, when I first presented this idea to my marketing team and PR team at the time, um, I thought it was the most genius idea of painting yourself with fragrance. And they all looked at one another and said, it's so gimmicky. No one will get it. No one, no one even really cares. I think, I don't think it'll work. And they kind of you know, I was the founder, the creator of something, and I walked off, picked up my paintbrush, and it didn't look like that by the time. At the time, it was a little drawing and a concept. I went to the ladies' room and I sat in the toilet and I cried. They I, and I, mm. I didn't cry because they made me cry. I cried out of the sheer frustration, and then I walked back in, mm-hmm. dried my eyes, and I said, "I don't really care what all of you think. We're doing it." Do you know that product? The belief, that high bar that I created myself and people trying to knock you down because sometimes your dreams and your aspirations and your the things that you believe in, people are so far behind you, they cannot see how it possibly, yeah. and yet this little paintbrush was the golden ticket around the world. This is what open markets for us like Korea, China. We've just come back from South Africa. We're heading to the Far East, Philippines, Thailand, all of those. Why? Because the world does want to paint themselves with fragrance. I was right. If I had been wrong, I would have had to take that on the chin. But I would rather yeah. be wrong and try than sit there and just appease everyone round a table because – they don't have the vision, and that's where my job is so important. I have the vision. I could see the end goal, and I can see I can see in 10 years where this paintbrush can go. You know, yeah. I, it's in my head. No. I, I know what I want to do with it. And sometimes I do still sit with people and they don't get it. They just can't see the, the long-term thing, but that's okay. And I think as I've got older, perspective has really helped me, and it's like, Joe, just sometimes you scare out of people, and sometimes I do, because I'm moving so quickly and I'm so fervent in in where I'm going, and I don't want someone to take me off that path. And that's I think you know often where I'm I'm the loner, you know I'm and sometimes success and creativity can be a very, very lonely world for a while, um, and I've known both success with people and I've known loneliness with creativity and success.
1: Yeah, no, I feel you. Yeah, because if you as a visionary, you're so many steps ahead of everybody else that what, you know, may feel gimmicky to some, you know, that's the future, like in your heart of hearts, you know, and I've tried the paintbrush product and um, it is such a beautiful application. It is decadent. It is truly it feels I feel like an artist and I am not an artist.
2: Well, you are <laughs> just to
1: put it out there.
2: You, you no, are. An I artist. guess I am now. Your body I is am the canvas. Now. You're. You've got the paintbrush in your hand. You have the ability to. And so, what we do is we do classes all the way around the world. Um, and do you know what, what? What makes me so super happy when we have children? So we just had um, two students come in doing work experience with us. Uh, they, the school has asked whether they can come and do a week's work. They were such a joy. What did they love? The paintbrush. The paintbrush, why? Mm. Because they could see creativity and um, no constraints. It was no longer just about just spraying. We will always use bottles of fragrance and spray our bodies, yeah. but being able to paint with fragrance um, and not invade the space kind of around you, uh, and it, it just has unlocked creativity and imagination. And some of the things I want to do with um, with the, with the next generation of the paintbrush is um, really exciting.
1: Wonderful. Um, Joe, I want to talk about the packaging for Joe Loves. I know that that one took some time to get right. At some point, it was a struggle. I would love, you know, for you to share the story of the packaging and the red dot as well.
2: So the packaging in the beginning, there was, um, it was the good, the bad and the ugly in the beginning. And uh, when I first Created Joe Loves. I was trying to be so different from Joe Malone London. I forgot who I was, and it's actually such mm. a good lesson when people are building brands. You know what? You have to your your packaging is your best outfit. If you were going to go to the Oscars, what would you wear? That's how you have to package your product. And it was like this awful reddy brown with a black. Oh, it was just horrendous. And I, I'd ordered forty thousand boxes. And I looked oh, at it boy. and I couldn't bear I just couldn't bear it. And in the book, you can see pictures of it as well. It was so predictable. And I knew at some point that I would have to go back and recreate who I was. And um, so I started and all I could think about was a plain white canvas. And I, that's kind of my personality in a way. It's not that there's nothing interesting going on. It's just that a white canvas has so many possibilities. You know, you could, you could paint a beautiful sea and sky or you could paint marigolds or whatever. So I knew I had to start with that white canvas. I love being a British creator. I really feel proud of that, you know, flying my flag for my country around the world. And so I knew that Union Jack had to come into the paper But what was my Nike swoosh? What was my Apple? What was my icon? What was the thing that people could take one glance at and they would know it was me? And I was sitting one day just at my desk, and I was about to go to Shanghai in China on a a trade mission. And someone had sent me a bottle of red nail varnish called Shanghai Red. And I was sitting there with all these labels looking in front of me with Joe Love's just whites and black quite dull and it had no emotion. And I took a pencil and I just dropped it into the nail varnish and I put one drop on each of the labels and I looked and there it is, was my red dot. Because I'm dyslexic, all the way through Joe Loves, whenever I sign something off, I stick a red dot and I sign it. And so the red dot was almost like my creative Fingerprint that says I've created this. I approve it. It's ready to come to you with love. So um, when you see these little red dots and you see them all over the world, um, you'll know that my creativity is not far behind.
1: I love. There's the stamp of approval
0: from Joe. <laughs> Experience scents inspired by Joe's favorite memories and life moments with a quick tour of the Joe Loves fragrance line. We're about to explore Mango Thai Lime, White Rose and Lemon Leaves, and number 42, The Flower Shop.
1: Can we smell Mango Thai Lime together? Um, I would love to hear the story of creation for this fragrance, what you think makes it special, and why you love it so much.
2: So, um... This one is so different, and so it was created partly in Thailand. I was um, at a wedding of a great friend of mine, and it was a beautiful Indian wedding right on the uh, water. And Indian weddings go on for seven, eight days; they go on and on and on. And it was it was absolutely magical. So we stayed for ten days in Thailand in Phuket, and we had this beautiful villa, and we had two amazing women that cooked for us called Oyen King. And every day when my son would swim, we were we were in the Barclay Brothers uh, Villa, and it has a black navy black pool that you swim in. So Josh, at the time, was six, and Gary would swim every day up and down, and then as they got out of the water, uh, Oyen King would have shade, frozen mango capacho and grated lime over the top, and the smell. Mm. And it would make my son smile. And I thought, that is such a beautiful moment to capture. But that's all it was. It was just a moment. A few months later, I was sitting in New York City in the Four Seasons and I was sitting at the bar. And I I, I love sitting at a bar. If you see me with a glass of wine, I'm not lonely. I'm watching people and life.
0: And I watched
2: (laughs) the bartender take um, vodka and he made a Cosmo. Then he did a dirty martini. Then he did a sea breeze. And suddenly, Oi King and the mango came back to me and it's like, that's it. I'm going to create the most incredible mango note and I'm going to do a shot of Thai lime over the top. And in fact, mango, I did a trilogy, they're triplets. I did mango with oud, mango with nectar and mango with Thai lime. But this one mm. is so unique, isn't it? It's so. It is. And do you know something? My, um, my, I love this. My son is a fencer. He's an epe fencer and his coach. And my son, whenever they have a competition, this is the fragrance. And I can smell mango and Thai lime on the piste. And I always know that number one position is just around the corner. So, yeah, mango and Thai lime is very sporty, it's very masculine, and yet it has this wonderful cologne lime to it and almost a spice and a wood, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it does. But also the sweetness from the mango. Which brings everything together.
2: It kind of, and I love the color. Look, so beautiful. It
1: is a beautiful color. It feels very, I don't know, herbaceous mm-hmm. in the best possible way. I we've um,
2: we've just launched uh, with uh, ho- uh, our amenities all the way around the world, and we have taken our fra- favorite fragrances. But we go into the hotel. We take over the spa. And we create spa treatments and um, we also do all the uh, restaurant menu. So we take all our ingredients and we've just created a mango and Thai lime cocktail, which is to die for, along with mm. beautiful little uh, mango mousse and lime macaroons. See, there's oh more. Gosh, there's more the to sounds- me than just smell.
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah, clearly it sounds as fantastic as the tapas uh,
2: concept in the retail setting for fragrance. I'd love to create a mango and Thai lime ice cream. I think that would be incredible. Mm. Maybe
1: I will. It smells like it would be incredible. It smells delicious. I would Mm. eat it for sure. (laughs) Um, Let's um, get into the white rose and lemon leaves. Um, I love that smell. And, um, you're also, I mean, you do florals like nobody else. So I, you know, I would love for you to tell us the story of that. So this is,
2: this is so special and this is really close to my heart because it's been a big part, um, of my journey in Dubai as well, being the Brit. So I was honored by the great campaign to become an ambassador. And we were, as a group of us, there were like film directors, there were, um, Fashion houses, a whole group of us in the creative fields that went together and visited countries to tell people about the creativity of Great Britain. This is going back a few years. And we were heading to Shanghai. And um, it was where everyone was excited. And we were all asked to create something uh, that depicted our country. And uh, so all the perfumers, Roger Dove did something amazing, did a nightclub. Um, Azzie Glacier did something incredible. So there's lots of Lynn Harris and we were all perfumers together. And I decided to create the Union Jack. Um, and what would the Union Jack smell of? And it would be White Roses. So it, this one is the White Norma Jean Rose because they're in the Queen's, they were in the Queen's garden. Uh, I visited Buckingham Palace many times and as a beautiful rose garden. They were in my wedding bouquet. They were, mm. they always, my son always used to bring me white roses on a Friday night for dinner and they would sit on the dining table and um, the lemon leaves c- come all the way through this fragrance. They plait all the way through and they give that sharpness. I Life is not always the smell of roses. You know, sometimes bitter and and things happen that make us cry and make us sad but the overall feel of sweet and citrus together and sharpness can often Mm -hmm. be that really sweet spot and i've used freesia in here to bring that sort of blossom but again it's sitting on this wonderful strong bed of wood which gives it um its strength but in dubai just recently um this is the fragrance when the in the king's coronation that I scented the British consulate uh, uh, when we celebrated oh, wow. King Charles, and it's it goes to every wedding that I know. Everybody wants this as their wedding fragrance, and um, I've scented churches with this. I've scented concert halls with white rose and lemon leaves. It's it's just so adaptable. You know, it can go into a room or onto your body, and it just makes us feel. Like celebration is around the corner.
1: I love this. It's very delicate, but memorable.
2: It's long lasting as well. It really, it's almost as though she's singing on an operatic note and holding it for such a long time.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. I love that analogy. Um, And then the last one that we're going to smell together um, is the number 42, The Flower Shop.
2: This is my memory of The Flower Shop. So the young 16 year old girl. So it's green crushed leaves. And if you smell it and you close your eyes, what color do you see? White and blue. White and blue. And tell tell me what piece of music you hear. Mm, Oh my God, what piece of music? Jazz? Oh, and what what are you drinking in the glass that you're sitting there? So you've got some jazz music, you've got this beautiful white and blue dress on, you're smelling this. What are you drinking in your glass?
1: Okay, sparkling water with
2: a slice of lime. (gasps) You're so good. Um, So mine would be uh, Vivaldi. The color I mm. see here is like this wonderful mottled green with a gold plate, mm. and I would be drinking uh, a glass of gavi with uh, crushed ice in it with a slice mm. of lemon. So not 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 far from each other, but it's this <laughs> this is about the dreams of the young woman that believed that mm. as the florist, could she really make it to the top? Have you ever seen that movie uh, Joy, where the the woman creates the mop yes. for QVC? That's my yes, yes, that's my moment, the joy moment of remembering who you are, where you came from, the opportunities you were given in order, but the pr- the sense of pride. Um, so that has the smell of lilies through it, white blossom, green leaves, foliage, kind of really beautiful mm. foliage. and um, that is that is one of the best selling fragrances across the world. It's very addictive
1: in the best possible way. All right, so let's do the scent reading, Um, Joe. I know you have started doing the scent readings. I would love to get a reading from you. Yes.
2: So what I'm going to ask you to do now, so you you and I haven't discussed this. I need one one story of your life in one sentence, and I will then recreate that story for you in under five notes.
1: Okay. I was sitting um, at an open restaurant in the Agafé Desert, which is located near Marrakech, Morocco, mm-hmm. with my laptop open, working on the next thing for Sunbird. And I look at the horizon. I could see the horizon really clearly. And that's when I thought, wow, this is freedom.
2: This is what freedom looks like. Creating in the desert. Oh, my goodness. That's so beautiful. So I just need to ask you a few questions. Yeah, please. Although you've made it very, 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 very visual in the desert. Blue skies? Beautiful blue, blue skies, skies? yes. What were you wearing at the time? Long, uh, wide dress. Okay. And just thinking, if there was a piece of music to be playing in the background, what would it have been? Or was there music playing in the background?
1: Um there probably was but something like tribal actually because the camels were not that far away like i Mm. could see the camels from where i was sitting
2: so So there's that i sit and i create in the desert so i would start off with cobalt patchouli which is all about blue skies and new beginnings Mm. i would follow with some orange blossom, so, but but not mm. orange blossom as in a floral, orange blossom as in the petit cran the bitterness of it, because orange blossom gives you everything she has from her twig to her leaf to her flower in order for her species to survive. She would give you everything, the last breath in her body, in order to see the next generation continue. I would take something like a charcoaled vetiver oud. Which so I often you can smell these beautiful woods burning in the distance in the Middle East, um, and I create in the desert, so I go to the desert and I do create. So I know that's that wonderful dry sandalwoody cedarwoody. So I take a really beautiful wood note um, and take that in. I would take something like a bergamot um, or a, a cinnamon lime, and just take the mm. skin and and almost as though you steamed the lime and the cinnamon. And I would take the the residue from that and inject it in as a cologne. It's funny, I'm seeing a black iris. I don't know why. Uh, oh, wow. but, but black iris do grow in the Middle East and it has this wonderful... What is it when you're dreaming and and you go into your dreams and you're unbelievably creative? What's that word? So anyway, that word, that's what I'm thinking as well. So, that is how I would recreate. Um, and I'm seeing the color terracotta as well, this wonderful auburn sunset as the sun goes down because the desert changes color. So, probably a beautiful terracotta rose petal as well.
1: Wow, I love that. And I love that we share the, um, you know, that love for creating in the desert. I never thought desert was so fertile. Actually, for creation, I've always kind of thought that, okay, maybe by the ocean somewhere when you look into the water, maybe that's when the creativity arrives, which actually was your your story for Pomelo, right? And the Turks and yeah. the Caicos, but the desert just has something else, it,
2: it that so feminine does. energy
1: that you would never
2: have thought. It changes though, doesn't it? From So I've watched the sunrise over the desert um, in a hot air mm-hmm. balloon and I've watched the colors change and we had a beautiful um, hawk with us. Who was training, and the hawk, and because I love animals, and the hawk was right by the side of me, and I was just able just to stroke his back, and watch the sunrise, and as the desert changes colour, and that's why I went to live there is to find inspiration, and uh, I found it by the water, I found it in the desert, um, and who knows where else I'll find
0: it.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Joe. Uh, one last question that I have for you today is if you had a chance to go back in time and meet the little Joe, you know, um, perhaps still struggling, and you could give her one piece of advice that you know would propel her into where you are today, what would you tell her?
2: Don't worry about the teacher that told you you were lazy and stupid. Uh, you're not. You are one of the most, you will change the world but don't be in such a hurry to get there enjoy the adventure but enjoy the journey
1: wow what a beautiful way to close this thank you so much from oh, the bottom of my I've heart for it. being thank with you. us today
2: what a what a great what a great interview and i hope you, the people that listen to this will be inspired and and go off and build and create too
1: yeah i know they will because you're 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 such an inspirational speaker and creator so thank you so much for being with us thank
2: today. you
0: That was Maria Naryslamova and Joe Malone CBE from Joe Loves, based in London, England. Up next on Scent World, bridge culture and neuroscience to promote wellness through fragrance with Malika Jones, the co-founder of Brown Girl Jane. You've been listening to Scent World. Know a fragrance lover who would enjoy the show? Share Scent World and bring them on a journey of self-expression through scent. Scent World is a Scentbird original series produced by Flowship. Today's episode was executive produced by Maria nur Produced by Mike Giordani. Edited by Ramiro Gava. Mixed by Alex Roses. Production support by Pili Melendez. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.